Thanks, Jim. Wow. That sounds like a good invitation, doesn't it? Yeah. Sully's going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. There's a bunch of crazy people over there. <laughs> so uh, next week in the cafe is going to be interesting. Mm. We should spread you out amongst the congregation, you know. <laughs> Share the mess. <laughs> so no pressure for this side over here, eh? The bar is being raised by this side. <laughs> what do you guys think? What you, recovering. <laughs> I wonder if the middle has to take it. Does the middle have to take it? <laughs> oh, we have to do designated seating next week. <laughs> Man, last night, while you guys were busy prayer and fasting in your, in your prayer closets, I was watching Netflix, and um, <laughs> and uh, I was sitting there, I can't even remember what I was watching, <laughs> and then the TV goes bang, <laughs> and so it's going, and there's a smell of burning plastic and electronics. I'm like, man, where's the fuse board? So I run in, I flick off all these fuses, and it's like the power's still on, the, the TV still has power. It was like all the fuses are off, but it's also dark now. So I'm like, Lara, and then my phone goes flat, so I couldn't use my phone as a torch. So I'm like, Lara, where's the, where's the torch? Where's the light? And um, so she finds her phone, and then she can't find the torch on her phone. And so, you know, we finally get there. We finally got the light, and we're like, but all the fuses are off, but the TV's still powered. And it's going... And then my thought is like, where's the fire extinguisher? Oh, no, it's in the garage. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and then, um, then we realized, actually, there was two fuse boards in our house. <laughs> we found the other one. <laughs> but that was exciting. So I thought I'd just share that with you. That was what I did last night. So I stuck my TV out in the rain. It's a sad, it's a sad moment because it's a plasma. And who knows, you can't get plasma TVs anymore. You know, and, and I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> what? Comes back bigger, yeah. That's the thing, yeah, it's 42 inches, but now that's a small TV. You know, that's, that's what people put in their bedrooms now. Like... The bathrooms. <laughs> Have you got a TV in your bathroom now? <laughs> well, Kevin's probably got a TV there. You got about thir- you got about are you up to about thir- thirteen TVs in your house now, Kevin? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Couple down the corridor. Uh, so who was here last week? Woo! I should have said who wasn't here last week. That'd be better. Okay, so I'm going to carry on sharing from last week. So then you need to uh, remember this and realize it has another context and go and listen to the podcast, and then you would have forgotten this one, so then you've got to listen to today's podcast, and you'll be good. So you've got some homework today, or this week. I've got time for that, because I can't watch Netflix at the moment. <laughs> so 
so last week I was talking about like our Father and, and the will of the Father, and I unpacked um, the, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave us, and we went through the beginning part, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and how we recite that all the time, eh, and different things. And, and I really brought the challenge of encouraging us to pray through that, like dwell on that, oh, our Father, you know, as a, as a, as a decree of our, our liberty and our freedom in Christ, our Father, and just um, spend time praying through the Lord's Prayer. And so um, the Father and the Son, and just to flow on from last week, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are on this mission to bring all of humanity into harmony to be reconciled. Amen? And so this word reconcile um, or reconciliation is one I used quite a bit last week. And so I want to take a moment to look at what, a, what this word actually means. What, is, what does reconciliation actually look like? And so um, reconciliation relates to our relationship and our redemption uh, with God. And um, in the Old Testament, um, so it's all the way through Scripture, this concept of reconciliation. And in the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word um, that expresses this concept called um, korfar, or something like that. And this word is translated into English uh, as forgive, mercy, and atonement. And so, um, as I was kind of looking into this, I read this really interesting description of the word atonement. And this is the language they used. I thought it was so awesome. It said that the word atonement, I did this last week too. Yay. Too far. Okay, it said the word atonement, when broken down, means a condition without tension, a condition without tension. So when, when Christ died on the cross, he removed the tension that we had between us and the Father. And so this, this is the picture it paints in Romans 5, where it says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. While we were enemies, there was this tension going on. And the atonement has removed that tension. So reconciliation is about relationship and, and, and the way that this is practiced, the way uh, reconciliation is, is outworked, is by using this amazing word. And I made it really big so you can read it. Forgive. Forgive. What, what this means is something really powerful. This word is absolutely amazing. You know, for you to forgive someone, it means that you give up the right, you give up your right to enforce punitive justice. When you forgive, you give up your right to enforce punitive justice. So, so when you forgive, you put aside your right to, to uh, punish um, punitive justice or punishment, punish, punishment justice, and you release restorative justice. This is what this word does. When, you, when we engage with forgive and forgiveness, we put aside our right for punishment justice and restorative justice is released. And that's exactly the same thing that happened at the cross. Jesus was not punished on your behalf. You know, Scripture says that the Father and the Son the Father was in the Son reconciling the world to himself. 
you know, he wasn't there trying to punch himself. And that moment of, on the cross, a restorative justice was released from the heart of the Father towards all humanity. It's so good. That's how powerful this word is, what it changes. And so before you ask, I am not a universalist, okay? Because <laughs> someone will email me. <laughs> what I will say is that Je- uh, through Jesus, God has forgiven humanity, and now he only, he only relates to humanity through that lens of forgiveness. That's powerful. Because he's not looking to punish people, he's looking to find sons, he's looking to find orphans, as we were talking about last week. And so, um, remember we touched on last week that we are ministers of uh, reconciliation. And that's not just about seeing people saved, it's actually a mandate that we have been given as believers, as people in Christ, we've been given this mandate from heaven to be ministers of reconciliation. And it's a way of life. Uh, uh, to be a minister of reconciliation, it's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's our new nature in Christ. Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Powerful, eh? Forgive as you have been forgiven. And so Jesus modeled what our, our, our new nature looks like and how it's to function and how we're to partner with the Father to see his will established on the earth. And one of the things we spoke about last, last week was that we're all apprentices. And in the, in the, culture of, in, in the context of the, the days that Jesus lived, a son would become an apprentice to the Father. So whatever the business the Father was in, the son would become an apprentice of. And the son would watch the father and learn the family business, learn how to do what the father did. And who knows that Jesus himself said, I only do what I see my father doing. He was speaking into their culture and saying, I'm an apprentice of a heavenly father. And now in Christ, we've all been made apprentices of that same thing, that our job is to, to partner with heaven, to partner with the father's heart, that his great thought towards humanity would be outworked on the earth. And so you're an apprentice in the family business. What it looks like is that, that we live from our identity in Christ and, and we live in community with each other where the concept of harboring offense is actually illegal because it violates your, your true nature in Christ. You know, who knows that offense is an inside job? You, no one offended you, you chose to be offended. The moment that you've allowed someone to offend you, you've actually given them power over your life. It's a big thought, eh? But Jesus set you free for freedom's sake. Forgiveness is a dominant attribute in the way that we're called to do family. It's a good thought, eh? Forgiveness is the foundation of this covenant between the Father and the Son made on the cross. And so it should be really important to the way that we do family. It should be a dominant attribute that we're walking in this place of forgiveness always with each other. You know, we've been forgiven and our relationship restored to the Father. You know, and as we talked about last week, it means that that decree, our Father, 
is just an amazing expression of our liberty in Christ. We get to call him father. We get to call him dad. And that's absolutely amazing. And it's all because of forgiveness. So, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are on this amazing mission to bring all humanity into harmony, into an understanding of being one in Christ, to uh, being one family with one Father. And even just during worship, you know, there's, as, um, you know, there was really something on worship today, and I just really felt like there was just a thing going on, like one voice, one voice. Isn't what Jen shared about worship, wasn't that just brilliant, you know? And... Um, I'm looking forward to your teaching on worship, you know? That's going to be great. Um, but there's that thing about one voice as we're partnering and, 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 uh, and working together as one body to worship and adore him. And so Trent's been unpacking in recent weeks, or probably in the last couple of months, this awesome phrase, and you probably all remember what it is, eh? That we're found in Christ and formed in family. Isn't that just an amazing statement? Who was challenged by that thought? Few people. <laughs> I think this statement really gets you thinking, eh? It's like it's like one of those Bill Johnson ones. You're like, wow, that's awesome. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it, there's something about it that sounds true and right and good. And I think what it is is an invitation for us to unpack, isn't it? And, it's, and I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself to look at this statement and think, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? What does it look like in practice for us to be found in Christ and formed in family? It's such a great decree. And it's, I think it's vital for us to take hold of that. Found in Christ, formed in family. That not only have we been restored to a good, good father, but that in Christ we've become part of a family. You know? And, and this is no regular family. This is a family of ambassadors. You're an ambassador. You're an apprentice and you're an ambassador. You've got a lot of jobs. You're, you're, you're the ambassador representing the culture of heaven. Who knows that? Some people, yep. We've got, to, we've got to work on these guys, Jen. We, um, as we're pursuing this thing of family, um, we're learning how to discover and grow into what is normal in the culture of heaven. Amen? And that's, that's the key, that we're actually learning. We've got these our plates on, and we don't get it right all the time, and we don't have all the answers, but we're on a journey of learning what it's meant to look like. Amen? And so in the process of that, when we know we're learning, we walk in forgiveness and we walk in a place of extending grace to each other because we know that we're all on the same journey trying to discover what this really should look like. You know, and it's extending that grace. It's, it's partnering with each other so that we grow together and we're not partnering with, from a place of criticism, but we're, we're partnering from a place of encouragement. And that's all the way through the New Testament, you know. Time and time again, they're told to encourage each other. And so I was thinking about what does this look like? What does all this look like? And I think it looks like this amazing debate. I reckon it looks like the great toilet paper debate. 
Who knows what I'm talking about with the great toilet paper debate? <laughs> are you an over or are you an under? <laughs> are you an over or are you an under? Does the roll wrap over the top and come down the front or does it tuck down the back and hang down the back? <laughs> I'm not trying to cause division right now, but... <laughs> all the overs sit on this side of the room and all the... No, please don't move. <laughs> Can you believe that if you go and Google the toilet paper debate, half the internet is about this debate, I'm sure of it. <laughs> And if you filter for images, this is what you find. People have actually spent time making graphics to illustrate this debate. You know what? You can buy a T-shirt. You can buy a T-shirt about this debate. <laughs> Crazy. Under uh, the, the under roll is spontaneous, the over roll is uh, logical, and the one on top of the system <laughs> is incorrigible. Apparently, I, don't, I, had ne- I didn't even know what that word was until I started exploring and researching the great toilet paper debate. As a preacher, it's really important that you research what you're going to talk about. And so, you know... <laughs> I found some interesting facts, like how many times, you know, based on how much toilet paper the U.S. has to, that it wraps around the earth, what, which they use in a year. Oh, let me back up. That didn't make sense. The Ameri- statistically, Americans use as much toilet paper in one year as can go around the earth 40 times. Wow. wow. That's a lot. Anyway, that's had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> So I came across this image as well. <clears throat> and the caption, says, uh, the caption says, what your toilet paper says about you. So, <laughs> if you're an over-the-top, you're faithful, logical. Can you believe that people have psychoanalyzed the way people put their toilet paper? <laughs> you're faithful, logical, and sensible, a traditionalist, who takes special joy in keeping his or her environment well regulated. (laughs) Ah, Too bad for you people that think vigilantly. (laughs) If you're an under, you're carefree, enthusiastic, spontaneous, a headless fool with a skewed perception of reality. It's, pretty, it's probably safe bet to say that this side of the room are all unders, eh? <laughs> okay, if you do this, which is you stick the roll on top of the empty roll, you're reckless, incorrigible, how do you pronounce that, and lazy, most likely male, <laughs> with the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> okay. Now, any of you guys that have flattered before, and I flattered with a bunch of non-Christian guys, and yeah, um, this, is, this is a family show, but this is the I hate you, where you go for the, you go for the tower of the rolls. <laughs> when I was flatting, sometimes you walk in and you would just find a torn up magazine. <laughs> anyway. 
So this is the great toilet paper debate. I, I can't believe this is actually a thing. Um, I am going somewhere with it. <laughs> I remember watching my great auntie um, and my cousin having this debate. Now, my great auntie died when she was in her early 90s, so um, she'll be well into her 100s now. She's probably still having the debate with God, actually, because <laughs> our family is full of strong personalities. We like our opinions because that's the only one that matters. And so, you know, both of these guys, my, my great auntie and my cousin, having this debate, and they're both really strong personalities. And so they were having this nice debate, which is probably the nicest way to put it, over which way the toilet roll should be on the holder. <laughs> If you notice, the toilets that we have here at church are completely encased, you can't see it. That's because we want to have unity and not division. (laughs) So they're having this debate over which way the toilet roll should go. And um, who knows that they're both right? (laughs) Because Because of their normal. Because of what was normal for them, they're actually right. It was what they were taught. It was the culture of the house that they grew up in. It was the way that they did things. And so we're learning and we're growing, and we want to know how does the Father God hang the toilet roll on the holder? That's what we were asking, hey, How does God have his toilet roll? <laughs> Get an interesting look from the elders now. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a crash, a burn, or a success. <laughs> it looks like it could be a meeting. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, learn- we're learning what's normal for God in his household. Amen? Um, because his household is our household. And we're his kids. And the Father defines what's normal in the household. Amen? And so that's the journey we're on, to define and discover what is his normal so that we can live from that place. And that's what we're learning to do. <clears throat> so one of these normals, and it's, it's really strong in Scripture, and I'll probably talk faster, it's something that Apostle Paul really spoke well into, that, that we are one body in Christ. And Jesus spoke it out first, you know, where he says, he's praying over his disciples, and he says, you guys would be in me as I'm in the Father, that we would be one, and that whole thing of unity. And Paul, Paul really picked up on that, you know, and he champions that whole language of being one body with many members in several places in his writings. And, and this term, one body, this imagery paints a picture of what our community and doing life together should look like. You know, we're one body with many members. It defines the way uh, we should see this, that, that we are one, but we're also many. And what it means is there is value in us being one, but there's a value in our uniqueness as, as many members of that one. Our uniqueness is important. And without our uniqueness, we actually cannot be a body with many members. We're just a bunch of many members. Isn't it interesting? He says we're one body with many members. Every unique member contributes to the body. And so one of the ways that happens is through the gifts and the callings that God has put on your life. 
And, and you know, he has, he has poured out gifts. Every one of us has an ability, amen? You know, for some people, it's just getting out of bed in the morning, but that's still an ability, you know? We celebrate that. This is a start. We each carry something. And our gifts are not our identity. Who knows that? Christ is. But our gifts do allow us to express our identity. Our gifts allow us to turn up. Our, our gifts are like a, a, an access way for us, for our identity to be revealed on the earth. Um, one night, our daughter, Jess, when she was about three or four, man, she's going she's gonna to be 11 next Sunday. Crazy. I don't know how that happened. It's like, man... It's all relative. It's, huh? it's all relative. <laughs> and so I'm, I, um, I asked her if I could share this story. And she said, because I said I didn't want to embarrass her. I always like if I'm posting on Facebook or whatever, I ask her if it's a picture of her, can I post this? And so I said, can I share the story? Because a lot of my messages seem to involve her. And um, so I said, can I share the story that happened when you were three or four? because I don't want you to be embarrassed. And she, her reply was, Dad, you're my dad. I'm always embarrassed. <laughs> and so we're, we're, I'm tucking her in at night, and it's like three or four, and, and we're just talking about her gifts and her abilities that God has given her. And she says this amazing thing, you know, so her eyes lit up, her face lit up, she was shining, and she goes, and I'm going to wow him with it. I'm like, wow, I'm going to wow him with what he's given me. That's, a, that's, a, that's someone who knows they're a daughter, and they know they've got a father. I'm going to wow my dad with what he's given me. You know, there's this um, thing of false humility that we need to get over and acknowledge what we, each of us carries, you know, and to carry our gifting is a boast in Christ. You know, um, Kevin Tribe, uh, that guy there, after he's looking at me sideways before, I'm going to pick on him now. <clears throat> well, it's still only one meeting. <laughs> if, I, if I get them all out now, it's still only one meeting, so... So from this very pulpit, and I've heard him say this in other places, he makes this great statement. You know, he makes stuff out of wood. Who knows that? Who knows Kevin makes stuff out of wood? He's, he's not just a chippy. He's a craftsman. And um, he doesn't just make things. He makes flippin' awesome things. Now, I'm not just saying that. He said it. I loved, I loved how Kevin stood up in front of us, and he says, I make flippin' amazing things, and I'm really good at it. And I thought that was so neat because what he's doing is he's boasting in the gifts that God has given him. And who knows that Kevin knows that the ability to make stuff out of wood is not his identity. But, but who knows that his identity is in Christ. But when he's crafting, crafting these things out of wood, he's actually revealing his identity in Christ. He's revealing creativity. He's revealing possibility. He's revealing the ability to see one thing and transform it into another. And that's his nature in Christ. And so he's, he's using his gifts and his callings to reveal his identity, and he blesses other people with it. And I love that boast. We should not be afraid to boast in the gifts and the callings that God has put on us. Because Paul did that. 
but he boasted in Christ. Amen? You boast from a place of identity. You know, many years ago, people kept prophesying teacher over me, and I was like, man, no. Um, is there an English, any English teachers here? If you're an English teacher, just cover your ears for a minute. <laughs> so, so people kept saying teacher over me. And, and I was like, no, I don't want that. Because what I would picture in my mind, because I'm a very visual person, and sometimes I let you into that world, um, I just pictured this brown, yucky, brown, woolen, handmade woolen, you know, that your great crazy aunt made you, woolen jumper with leather patches on the elbows. And this is my thinking, and I'm just thinking this, and I'm like, I don't want to be like that. Man, that's, that's where my mind went. That's what I thought it looked like. But then in the journey of discovering my identity in God and growing in that, you know, there was this freedom to really embrace the gifting and the call of my life. And now it doesn't look like that because God spoke to me. He says, it looks like you, and that's enough. So I'm really sorry if you don't like me. That's what you get. (laughs) I am a work in progress. So in my mind, you know, I had to, to shift my thinking about receiving what God had, had made, uh, had given me to be, to add, to deposit into the lives of others. You know, that, that gifting and the calling and the anointing, all those things mattered. But what mattered most was my mindset and my thinking behind it. So I can boast in that. And it's taken me a while, but I can because it's a boast in Christ. Because I know there's value to be given to you guys. And the gifts, and I just boast in the gifts and the calling and the uniqueness that God has placed in your life. Just like Jess, three or four years old, I'm going to wow him with it. Wow Daddy God with what he's given you. He wants you to use it, you know. He, he wouldn't have given you ability and giftings if he didn't want you to do great things with it. Amen. You know, there's administrators, there's helps, there's, you know, people that make great coffee. There's people that think they make great coffee. You know, we can encourage them to find another gifting. But, (laughs) hey, because it actually says that in Romans, okay? Romans 12, this is the message translation. It says, every part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're ta- talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us find our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a chopped off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these, ex- into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we're made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with others or trying to be something we aren't. And it goes on, and I'm kind of iffy about the way the message translation puts this, the rest of the verses. It basically just says, if this is what God's called you to do, then do it really well. Don't try to be something you're not. And then while I'm using the message translation, I love the end. It says, keep a smile on your face. (laughs) So embrace embrace the gifts God has given you and keep a smile on your face. Hmm. 
one of the things that we get to do with our gifts is use them to benefit others. Amen? And in fact, the, all the giftings and the calls of God on your lives is really for this very purpose. There is only one gift that God gifts, gives to you that's for you. And who knows what that is? There's only one exception. Yep, speaking in tongues. It's the only gift that's been given that is to edify yourself. All the other gifts are to edify and build up others around you. You know? And so, um, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes, One who, who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church, promotes growth, spiritual wisdom, devotion, holiness, and joy. And so the only gift that we have for ourselves is the gift of tongues. And if we speak in tongues, we build up and encourage ourselves. And Apostle Paul actually boasted in this, if you remember. He said, I speak, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, man, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. And I want to encourage you to actually pursue that. But, but more than that, I want you to be able to prophesy. I want you to build up others because that is a greater thing. And so he writes this to them. He, he's, he's got this, Paul's got this great wisdom that his boast in building up himself is, is tensioned with this wisdom of knowing that it has to be about benefiting other people. And so we have two choices. You know, the gifts of God are given without repentance. God doesn't take them back, but we're free to choose how we're going to exercise our ability. Amen. And so we can use our gifts and our callings to create value in ourselves, you know, which is we use them to try and create identity. Or we can use them to serve our nature in Christ, and it's, it's founded then on love, in which case our gifts are used to add value into the lives of others. Amen? So the gifts can serve our insecurities, or they can serve our identity in Christ, which means they'll serve the will of the Father, which is that all of humanity and all of creation would come and be drawn to a good dad. So this is really just stewardship of all God has given us. You know, good stewardship is about taking what he has given to us freely as sons and daughters. It's always from identity and giving it to others. Don't ask Kevin to build you a house for nothing. I already tried, it didn't work. <laughs> Still one meeting. <clears throat> so within all this, with all this stuff that I'm sharing about, I'm trying to condense it down now. God took too long this morning. With all this stuff, our value in what we add to community, what we add to family, only works when we're intentional about being present. It only works when we choose to be present. You know, being present means in our worship. You know, we gather here together and like, you know, Jen was touching on that um, uh, earlier this morning. I mean, you know, in our worship, all of us come and add to that experience. Amen. You know, we can, we can become a consumer. Um, can, we can often like approach churches with a consumer mentality where we're coming to get entertained. We're coming to get fed and then we're going to go and have our roast dinner. But really, it's about coming and, and adding something into the community. When you come in, you're adding to the worship, you know? Who knows what time we start worshiping? 
Nine o'clock. <laughs> Come on. Who knows when we stop? Awesome, Vern. We never stop. You know, being present in our fellowship afterwards in the cafe, as, as Jen was sharing earlier, you know? Being present. You know, your giftings and your callings on your life absolutely mean nothing unless you're present to give it away. In our connect groups, you know, how are you going to turn up in your connect group? How are you adding your strength into your connect group? How, how are you encouraging and adding strength to your connect leader? You know, in the ways you participate in the events and add to the life of this church. And if you think about it, we have an amazing high percentage of volunteers in our church. It's so awesome. We should celebrate that. It is absolutely amazing. You know? <clears throat> because there's a lot of places, unfortunately, that don't have that, that privilege that we have. But we don't want that to diminish, eh? We want that to increase, where everybody in our family here knows that they're bringing something, knows that they're bringing value and adding to it. And our families and our workplaces and honouring our employer and all that stuff, it, it's, it's being present with you. It's just turning up and saying, you know what, I have this gifting and this ability and I'm going to add value into your life. And one of the things that helps us being present on the other side of the coin is valuing not only the gift in your life, but valuing the gift in another person's life. It's like listening to me talk now, being present, not because I'm talking, but because you value the gift on my life. Whoever's up here, because you value the gift on their life. You know? Because you realize there's a deposit. You know? You realize that the, the person who's speaking is, has done a whole lot of hard yards and researched the toilet paper deb- debate. <laughs> you know? Apostle Paul was writing to Rome. And he said, you know, he'd never been there. And he said, man, I'm really excited about the things that you're doing, what God's doing in, 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 in the church there. And he's like, I just want to come. And he's like, I'm an apostle. I carry an anointing. I carry a fathering to the church body. And I know that when I come to Rome and I'm excited to come, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something and I'm going to strengthen you guys. But I know in the middle of coming and being with you, I'm going to get encouraged and strengthened. He had value for what they carried as much as he had value for what he had to bring. And I think that's part of how we're meant to do community. Is not only do we have a high boast in what God has given us, we have a high boast or a high value for what other people are carrying. And we acknowledge that and we receive from it and we get strengthened from each other and we get built up into maturity. It's about being present. And it really looks like positioning our heart. One body, many members. You know, encourage you to develop and discover your identity in Christ. Embrace the giftings and the callings that God has put on your life. And in that same place, surrender to the desire and the will of God, a good father. That we would be a family built up into all maturity because not only do we recognize the gifting and the grace he has given me, he's given you a gifting and a grace also to come and encourage me and add strength to my life. 
that we would add strength and encourage to each other. That we would look like Jesus. And I love what N.T. Wright calls it. He says it's a new way to be human. It's a new way to be human. Let's just stand, eh? You know, if, if you've been shot down in the past because you've got a gift or a call on your life, and historically someone has spoken terribly over that and just really made you close off from it, I really want to invite you to have an opportunity to reignite what God has graced you with this morning. You know, wouldn't it be neat if every one of us left those red doors, and don't forget you're turning left, not going straight, left those red doors, understanding the grace on their life, understanding the gift that God has given them, and actually celebrating it. And not only just celebrating it, but, um, but taking hold of that thought that I'm part of a family that is, that is gifted and talented and they're adding value into my life. And so I'm going to turn up, I'm going to be present and I'm going to recognize what's on them and I'm going to give them a deposit from my life and they're going to deposit in my life. And so if, if you've been shut down from that, well, can our ministry team come? If you've been shut down from that in the past, I want to invite you to come and actually just deal with that. To forgive the person, because forgiveness is a powerful decree. Forgive the person and then retake hold the gifting that God gave you. You know, let this, this morning be about re-stirring up the giftings and the callings in your life. If you need healing this morning, we have a bunch of gifted and amazing people here that will bless you with healing. If you want to speak in tongues, an amazing gift, and it's an important one, to build yourself up in Christ, then I encourage you, come and see Fatu. He does know I'm saying this. Um, come and see Fatu. Fatu has an amazing gift and ability to see people speaking in tongues. And I've witnessed it. The fire, the fire that falls is amazing. And if you want to speak in tongues, come and see this guy. And draw from his gifting because he's a man who loves to give things away. Amen.